Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. So good to see you here. So good to see you here. So we are in a series called Reach, Grow, Impact. And we do a series uh, pretty much every year about discipleship. And to this year, we actually changed our purpose statement some because our purpose statement used to be reach people where they are and help them grow. But we felt like we needed to be clearer about the expression or the, the goal that we're trying to do. And so what we said was that we want to reach people where they are and help them grow so they can impact the city. The reason why we made that change and the reason why we feel like we need to do a series like this every year is because it is the tendency of the church to have a gravitational pull inward instead of thinking about what's going on outside. And so we can think about new events and new things, and, and we love that. But the truth is, is that the greater challenge that we have is to equip you so that you might help someone that is hurting and that you might know all the riches that God has for you. So reach, grow, impact is a way to summarize our purpose statement. I wonder if you'd say that with me, reach, grow, impact. Reach, grow, now, now say it with emphasis, reach, grow, that's it, that's it. Because we only want to reach because Jesus was about reaching people. We're trying to get you to be like Jesus. Jesus cared for people, whether they were tax collectors or they were lawyers or they were Pharisees, whether they were rich or they were poor, Jesus was always about reaching all types of people. But Jesus also said, teach them to observe all that I've commanded them. In other words, he wanted them to grow. And then lastly, Jesus wanted to make an impact. Any city, city he was in, it was different after he was there. And so that's what we want for you. We want you to be the kind of Christian that reaches and grows and impacts the city. And if we're not intentional, we'll only think about us. Isn't that our habit? To think about our needs, to forget about the broken needs out there. So before we get into the message, let me just say a word to Everyone in here, wherever you're at spiritually today, we said that we had four spiritual categories of people that we tend to reach. We reach people that are transplants. Listen, if you were in a church before and you're in now here, you've become a member or you're on your way to membership, we encourage you, don't just be in, be all in. Get rooted in what we do because we want you to be the kind of person that our church is really not meant for you. It's meant for you to help someone else. Our church is meant to build you up so that we could serve the world that is broken and hurting. Secondly, those who are slide backers, we said that those are people who backslid in college or you backslid, you grew up in church and now you're sliding back in. We get it. We praise God for you. If you're coming back into the house of the Lord, all we want you to do is be humble. Do not try to impress us with your spiritual resume or that the fact that you led vacation Bible school when you were 16, that was amazing. We're so glad about that. But you left for a little while. Welcome back. Praise the Lord. We encourage some of you need to get baptized because you took a vacation from Jesus and now you're back. And, you, and it's, not this, it's not just that Jesus knows you're back. The point of baptism is that the world knows you're back so that we would know that everyone would know who you're with now. 
Thirdly, if you are a foreigner, meaning you did not grow up in the house of the Lord, you don't know those things, you didn't grow up in church, if this is all new to you, then we welcome you, but we also acknowledge at the end of this time, we will have an opportunity for you to come to the altar and give your life to Christ. Make Jesus your Lord. Being in a church and making Jesus your Lord are two different things. And so we, we acknowledge to you that we welcome you to make Jesus the leader of your life. And lastly, if you are a wanderer, meaning you've been in different churches and you've been trying to figure things out, we, we get that. I just really want you to know, no matter what church you choose, it is a broken church with broken people. And, and one of the things that we can have a tendency to do is make the church, not a church, but like a boutique, where we have all these different things that specialize on me, all the things that I like. No church will be everything you want. So I encourage you, if you've been wandering around, get plugged in. If not here, get plugged in somewhere. Why? So that you can help grow, not just yourself, somebody else. The goal is that you would help people out there, not just people in here, amen? So that's what we're trying to do. We, as the church, have a tendency to be about ourselves. In Ghana, there is an area called Cape Coast, and there's a castle there. And in Cape Coast, there's this amazing moment that many authors have talked about. If you go there, you can, you can go and you can see this area. But there's a dungeon with slaves that were there a dungeon that would be filled with feces and people crying out, screaming because they were shackled. On their way to a door called the door of no return. And as they would go on their way there, they would be crying out, gone from family, gone from friends, shackled, now a slave. And their screams and their cries was coming from the trauma, and the mental and emotional injury that they were going through, not just physical. Here in this dungeon, can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the sound of the screams and the fear that filled the room? Hundreds of slaves in the dungeon. But in this castle, there is not only a dungeon on the bottom, but while there are these catastrophic screams happening, there is another sound happening above them. And above them is the church. A dungeon for slaves on the bottom, a church for worship on top. And can you imagine the sound of people singing worship unto God about how great and mighty God is while people are crying out bloody murder because their lives are being destroyed. Can you imagine the combination of the sound? Crying out to God while crying for his mercy on the bottom. And we think, how could they do that? But you have to understand, the church always has a tendency to create an us and a them. Why did they not go down to that dungeon? Because they're them. And the church created a space for itself to just be with us while they are down there. Bridge Church, if we are not careful, we too, we are no better than them in Ghana. We too can create a them to ignore. 
while we sing our worship, there are people crying out right now in this city, on this Sunday, there are people with financial burdens. There are parts of this city that the average income is 25,000. There are parts of this city where the average income is $150,000 a year. There are parts of this city where we've gotten used to it being criminalized. We can actually figure out what neighborhoods where most of the prisons are, are occupying with that, are, that are having people occupy them from. We have a way where we can ignore health, food deserts. We have a way where we can ignore mental health and care. And it's because it's our tendency that the Lord spoke to us in Micah, and this is what he says. He has told you, verse 8, chapter 6, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. When the scripture says do justice, the, the word there, mishpat, it, it, it means to give people what they deserve. Now, if you're dealing with criminal justice, it, it means give them the punishment they're supposed to have. But when we're talking about care, we're talking about the vulnerable that do not have homes, that do not have food, that do not have clothes, that do not have care. So much of what he would be talking about are the poor, the widowed, the orphan, the vulnerable in our society. Because in essence, what he's saying is, if there is someone who is uncared for, if there's someone who's being overlooked like a widow, the church should say that shouldn't be that way. And so we should be extending ourselves to the most vulnerable in society. But understand this, when the Bible says that we should do justice, that we should care for the vulnerable and care for the hurting, it also says to have love kindness, to love kindness. That word there is hesed, and it means loyal love, compassion. So understand, he's not just saying do justice. He's also saying how you do it is important as well. Because there is a toxic kind of compassion that helps them that are broken, but you don't have a heart for them. You might give them food, but you don't really care. And compassion begins with a kindredness, a sense in which I am helping them, but I'm no better than them. I care out of the love that God has had for me, and I pour that out to my brother who is the slave, my sister who is homeless. I pour that out to them. And the church must always understand it is our job to care for this city. If the church stops caring for the city, the city will be in shambles, the city will be in chaos. If the church stops caring and we just care about people in here, then the, the city will have the people of God ignoring God's city. This is God's city. God set this up. This is not the mayor's city. It's not the government city. This is God's city. And God's people should love the city even more than the government itself. We are God's people. And he made people. And so we should have a natural desire to be compelled about the broken areas of our city, even though it is our tendency to move away from that. Oh God, forgive us for how we've ignored brokenness. Forgive us 
for how we've walked around brokenness. Train our hearts to see people like you see them because it's my tendency to think they probably deserved it, to think, well, that's just how they are. It's our tendency. Look here in the book of Luke chapter 10 with me. Luke chapter 10, and I want you to see a picture of what God is doing with his discipleship of this lawyer. I love the way that Jesus teaches because one of the things that Jesus does is he not only asks questions, but he answers questions. And in doing that, he's trying to get at what people really think. And so there's this lawyer who's gonna ask a question and Jesus is gonna draw out of him his real beliefs and he's gonna teach him about the love of God. Look here in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So he quotes what they call the Shema, which is in the Old Testament. He would have learned this as a little boy. Love God, love your neighbor. Jesus says to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But in verse 29, the scripture says, in verse 29, the scripture says, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Understand what the lawyer is trying to do. The, the lawyer is not asking, well, what does it mean to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength? In other words, the Lord is like, I got the love of God thing down. I, I get that. I need to understand what you mean by neighbor. And it is his greatest desire. Spam is calling me right now. No spam. Thank you. <laughs> if, you if you call me, I think you're spam. If you text me, I think you're my friend. So in this verse, what he's trying to do is he's trying to create neighbors and non-neighbors. Now, I know you think, how could he do that? But this is what he's trying to do. Lord, you cannot expect me to love everybody. I gotta categorize some people because I sure enough can't love everybody. So tell me who I can love. By the way, tell me who I ain't got to love because yeah, loving you, that's dope. I can do that, but I can't love it. You, you know I can't love everybody. Tell me, are we talking about people in my, on my block? Are we talking about people next door to me? Are we talking about people at my job? Are we talk, when I walk by somebody, they my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Come on, break this down because I gotta justify the way that I live because I know I ain't got it to love everybody. So, so help me understand this, Lord, break this down. Who can I not love? Who can I ignore? Who is my non-neighbor? Who can I categorize? Who can I compartmentalize? Who, don't I, who, who, who can I not be bothered with? Because certainly, you can't presume that I could care for people like you do. 
Understand, when he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, the thing that he's trying to get at is, if you were to hurt yourself right now, the number one thing going through your mind is your pain. Even if I was teaching and, and you were like, oh, I feel this, but you, you would feel pain more. And you would think about your pain. In other words, you would immediately deal with your pain because you love yourself. And what he is saying here is give urgency to the love that you can have for people. Care for them like you would care for yourself. He, I think, is asking a very good question. Who don't I need to love? Where do I draw the line? So Jesus decides to tell a story to unpack this image of who don't you need to love? Who can you love? In verse 30, Jesus replies, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I just want you to remember that Jesus says a man, okay? See that? A man. Y'all see that, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> a man. A man, right? A man was going down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, departed, left him for a half dead. Now, this road that he would have gone down would have been a decline, and there would have been a lot of cavernous areas. In other words, there's a lot of places to hide for robbers. And this area is where a lot of people who were marketing are going. In other words, trading. So there was a lot of business in this area. It was a highly, um, uh, it was a thoroughfare of sorts. People, a lot of people would walk by here, almost like an urban area. But where there were people that were merchants, that meant they had money. And if they had money, there would be robbers there, hiding in the shadows. This road that he would have been on would have been a narrow road. It's, no, don't think a big road. Think a narrow road. So if there was someone in front of you in the road, you couldn't avoid them. You'd have to see them. You'd have to do something if you saw somebody in front of you on the road. So here, see the image of the man. If they're robbers, they robbed him. They beat him. They stripped him. And they beat him so bad He's half dead. Now, why is Jesus going into utter detail about this man? Because he's trying to say, this man has the kind of abuse that's happened to him that you can't ignore it. You see the blood. You see him naked. You see his pain. He almost looks dead, but he still looks alive. This unavoidable moment would by chance have several people come and see this with their own eyes. Verse 31, now by chance a priest was going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now remember, this is a narrow road. Ain't a whole lot of side here. Meaning he scooted around him and made his way. The priest, of course, is the person that would intercede for the people of God. He would even set up distributions for the poor. But this priest, when met with somebody on this road, decided, I don't have time for him. I got to move to the other side. Now, Jesus goes on and says in verse 32, so likewise, 
a Levite, when he came to the same place, he saw him, he passed by the other side. He did the same thing. Now, I want you to notice that both these men, the scripture says he saw him. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. The priest, the person that intercedes for the people of God, and the Levite, the Levite would have worked in the temple helping the Lord. So what he's trying to say is the pastor and the assistant pastor see this broken man and ignored him. When we put it a different way, the people you would expect to care did not care. The, the people that, listen, the people that care for people all the time decided not to care for him. And why, was the, why were they able to do that? Because these were professional Christians who cared for Christians, but they found a way to not care for them. And what he's saying is a priest and a Levite have the capability, even though they're in the business of caring for people all day, they still had the economy in their heart to ignore someone who was clearly hurting. The people we thought would care didn't care. But then he flips it because he says in verse 33, but a Samaritan. Feel the contrast, the way that Jesus teaches. He says a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and he saw him. But here's the difference. They all saw him. But the Samaritan, he had compassion. The Samaritan, as he's telling the story, they're sitting there thinking to themselves, okay, what you gonna say about the Samaritan? Because we know that the Samaritans are half Jew, but they don't worship like we worship. They do things outside of the, you know, the confines of the Lord. They, they don't be living right. So what, what are you gonna say about the Samaritan? And he's gonna say the Samaritan did the thing that the priest and the Levite should have done. Put it a different way. There was a person that was outside of the church doing what the church should have done, and he uses as a model and an example someone that don't even go to church because they're acting like God more than the people of God. I'm here to preach today. The, what he's trying to say is compassion is not confined to God's people. There are people who are much more compassionate than us. Just because we are compassionate towards us doesn't mean we'll be compassionate towards them. The church can always create a them. And so he uses the priest and the Levite to acknowledge they all saw him, but this Samaritan, this person that wouldn't even follow me, did the thing that I would do. Just know that if you want to learn God's heart, don't just look at the church. There are people who are made in the image of God doing things that God would do, even though we don't worship the same. Another sermon, another day. Why was the Samaritan different? The Samaritan had compassion. Now, Bible scholars in the room, okay, I'm gonna anoint you as a scholar right now. Um, who was the first person? He was a, a priest, right? I'm gonna just give you the answer. He was a priest, right? Right? Not really, he was the man, but you get, you understand. First person to pass by was a priest. Who's the second one? Levite, Levite, Levite. Who's the third one? Okay. So the first guy to pass by was a what? Second guy to pass by was a what? Third guy that was passing by was? Okay. Now tell me about the man on the ground. Right, he got robbed, right? But tell me some details. Was he rich? Was he poor? 
Was he a tax collector? What do we know about him? Nothing. Jesus goes into uber detail to tell us about a Samaritan and a priest and a Levite, but then he has the audacity, the person that's the point of the story is just a man. Now, why did you tell us all these details about all these people, but you didn't tell us about the person on the ground? Part of what Jesus was doing was wanting to create compassion just for a man. Not a rich man, not a poor man, not a Levite, not a Samaritan, just a man. Because what he's trying to create in us is to give value and worth no matter what goes before their name. He's just a man. And that's what compassion is. We have a tendency to love certain kinds of people. We care for certain kinds of problems. And what he's saying is you don't need to know what goes before his name. He's just a man. He's bleeding like you. He's hurting like you can hurt. He's just a man. And our compassion that we are called to have is to know this person is made in the image of God and I will give you intrinsic worth and value because you have been made in God's image. You don't have to be a certain class from a certain place with a certain group. You have value in and of yourself. And so compassion is what the Samaritan has. The Samaritan sees this man bloody and thinks to himself, why wasn't that me? I walked down the same road. I just walked down at a different time. Why wasn't that me? Why wasn't it me that was beaten half dead? And compassion simply is, that could be me. I'm no different. And when we have compassion for our neighbors, it's when we give them worth, but we also acknowledge the conditions they are in are from a story that's different than mine. And I have no right to believe that that couldn't be my story because there's so much in your life you didn't choose. There's so many conditions you weren't placed in. There's so many things you've been through, but there's things you have not been through. And there are people that have had heaps of challenges placed on them. Listen, there are people from the same place you're from, but they grew up in very different conditions. And the reality is, this man was on the same road. He just got caught up at a different time. And you know good and well that if it hadn't been for the Lord, some things you didn't experience just because of timing. <laughs> Shoot. You just weren't there at the right time. You'd have done the same thing. You weren't tempted with those things at that time. Grace and mercy is what's cha changed your life. Grace and mercy is what's caught you up. Grace and mercy, God forbid we ever think we can't be them. Don't you ever think you can't be them. Don't think you can't be her. Don't think those conditions couldn't be in your life because you don't have enough individual strength to take care of all the doors that God opened up for you. He opened up way too many doors for you. He's been way too merciful to you and way too kind. Yes, people have made mistakes, but you've made mistakes and some of yours are just a little bit more quiet. Praise the Lord. We have been given grace and mercy. And what 
happens when you truly have compassion is that when you see the slave, when you see the stranger, when you see the oppressed, when you see the broken, when you see the houseless, when you see the migrant, you do not presume that you could never be them. You think it's the grace of God that I'm not in the condition they are in. And I ought to offer what I have, what I can to those that are hurting. Leviticus 19, 34 says, you shall treat the stranger. Listen to what he does. Look at, look at the Lord. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You know what he says? You know what he's saying? He says, oh, y'all think y'all better than the strangers that you've been hanging out? He says, you forgot when you were strangers in Egypt. See, you got comfortable with Egypt, even though you were a slave, you liked the food and you hung out. He says, but no, you were, for hundreds of years, you were wandering, you were strangers there. You've just forgotten about what it was like to be strange because you're a native now. And what he is saying to us is all we have to do is go back. We may not have the same kind of physical conditions as other people, but if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you have been caught up in his mercy and his grace, then you know what it's like to be lost, to be estranged, to not experience God's mercy. And <clears throat> all we want to do is equip you to know how much you are loved by God so that you could be a resource to other people and bless other people. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Our compassion is what we have to overflow to people. It's how we care for people. It's how the faith spread through compassion. Julius, the emperor, thousands of years ago, wrote a letter. And in this letter, he says, the religion of the Greeks does not prosper. He says, we do not observe how, why, why do we not observe, rather, how the charity of the Christian to strangers has done the most to advance their cause? He says, it is disgraceful that these Christians support are poor in addition to their own. While everyone is able uh, to be religious, yet they lack aid from us. Here's what he's trying to say. The Greeks take care of the Greek poor. The Romans are taking care of the Roman poor, but the Christians were taking care of all the poor. And what he's saying is their faith is spreading because it seems like they care for people just because they're people. And there are all types of conditions in this city that we will run into. We may not have all the time, we may not have all the energy, we may not have the strategy, but we cannot be the kind of people that don't care. And we cannot be the kind of people that start ignoring the pain and the problems around us. If you're there and you see a problem, God is there and God wants to do something about it. 
Ida B. Wells. She says, it is with no pleasure I have dipped my hands in the corruption here exposed. Ida B. Wells started to track all the lynchings that were happening in her city. And she started tracking all the inequality. And because she started writing about it in her paper, they sought to burn down her paper. In other words, and she's saying, I did not ask for this problem. She says, I'm just a journalist and I see a problem and I'm beginning to write about it. So she says, it's with no pleasure. I have dipped my hands in this corruption here exposed. She says, somebody must show that the African-American race is more sinned against than sinning. And it seems to have fallen upon me to do so. I love what Ida B. Wells says. She says, there's a problem. Somebody needs to do something about it. It might as well be me. And so she decides to care for those that are in her midst. Can someone go in there and stop them from doing whatever they're doing? <laughs> Why is it important that we set up systems? Do you know you can give to communities you don't have any love for? Do you know you could give food to people you have no care for? That's why he says do justice and loving kindness. Because you, we can do religious performances to make it look like we care when our hearts have no care. So we also can get into the habit of just hanging out with us and not hanging out with the least of these and caring for the least of these. So we have to set up systems to make sure we're always doing that as a church, one of the systems that we have set up and that we want to increase is our partnership with Next Steps Community Church, which is right down the block. Uh, I was talking with one of the leaders here. Um, they told me that some of my specifics here are not uh, deeply accurate, but, uh, but all, the, uh, all the details are in the app. But there is a community breakfast that happens all in, during the weekday and that community breakfast, there's always people that need to cook. There's always people that need to sit with folks there. There's food, uh, people that need to prepare the food. And there's also, during that time, there's a time where you're helping to fill out IDs and, and do tax, tax returns. But there are so many migrants and refugees coming in right now that Next Steps Community Church needs more volunteers. So while we're hearing about these issues on the news, we can get involved. Because we don't want to just say that shouldn't be that way. We want to be involved as much as we can. There's also a grocery pantry that happens on the weekend. They see almost five to 700 people every weekend. We want to be able to help that cause. There's also a daily distribution of clothes. And we want to be able to get our clothes that we have that someone else could use. Now all you have to do is go into the app and make a decision on a regular basis, I wanna be helping out people. And maybe you do it at another space, maybe you volunteer somewhere else, I don't know. But what I'm saying is part of your discipleship, part of you growing as a Christian, can't be you reading Bible verses over coffee and listening to worship. That, that's not the only way you grow. It's not just joining a growth group. The way that you become like Jesus is be with the people he defends and the people he cares about. That's becoming like Christ. In fact, 
Watch this. That's also being with Christ. Because in Matthew 25, they said, um, Jesus says, you were hungry. You did not feed me. You, I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was in prison. You didn't come to visit me. They said, when did, where were you? We didn't see you in prison. We didn't know you were hungry. He says, I was the prisoner. I was the hungry one. I was the thirsty one. And he says, you ignored me. And do you know that he's using that as a picture of salvation? As we talk about, people think if the more verses I know, I'm saved. He's saying the more poor people you know, you're saved. In other words, he's saying you care for the least of these. And you were ignoring me. I'm the vulnerable one. And Jesus does not do that with the rich. He does that with no other group in the Bible. What he does it with, he does it with the vulnerable. So when you are spending time with them, you're spending time with Jesus. And you're growing to be more like him. And so we encourage you to, if you don't have the app, download it. And we are going to do a better job of tracking how many people we have going to this. Because we track what we do on Sundays here. We track people in groups and Bible studies. We're going to do a better job. We, we track it, but we're going to look at those numbers. We're just going to continue to encourage people to go to Next Steps Community Church, especially during this time of this migrant crisis. We have, um, some of you know, uh, we have Soul Cafe coming up. Uh, we're going to announce that again in a second, but we have so many people talking about spirituality right now. But what we're going to do is we're going to do a um, outdoor street evangelism um, in this area just so we can meet our neighbors and talk to them. How many of them will come? We don't know. But the point is to meet people, to tell them about the Lord, invite them in our space. All right. So there'll be, that's a TBA on, on when that's going to happen, but we will have Soul Cafe, but about a week before or so, we're going to be doing street evangelism, handing out things so that people can come into the house of the Lord. We have the redirect coming up about the New York City migrant crisis. Again, um, so you can be on the ground with the issue, but you can also hear about um, the challenges that are happening on a political level, as well as how we got here and, and, and take time to pray about this issue. So that'll be in Harlem. That also is in the app. So if you don't have the app, make sure you download it so that you can be a part of what we're doing. Amen. Matthew 1, the Bible says that an angel came and spoke to Joseph. It says, she will bear a son and you should call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. He said his name was Jesus, but it fulfills this imagery we saw in Isaiah. He'll be called Emmanuel. And what, what they mean is his name is Jesus, but the way he operated, he operated like God with us. That God dwelt with us. He tabernacled with us. He hung out with us. He ate with us. He cared for us. And the God that we serve would never just worship in a chapel and ignore the screams on the bottom. Jesus would leave the chapel and go into the dungeon and he would break the chains and he would set captives free. That's the Jesus we serve.
And can you imagine a slave being set free? They would say, thank you for being with us. Thank you for spending time with us. And our heartbeat is that when we go to Next Step Community Church, we are not going because we have stuff. We're going because we know Jesus. And we care with the compassion of Christ. And when we go, wouldn't it be awesome if they say, thanks for spending time with us, for being with us, for caring for us. And that is the gospel. He is not God with them, he's God with us. Caring, being, and loving. Forgive us, Jesus, for how we create them. Forgive us for how we ignore the hurting. Forgive us for how we create thems in our hearts. We all have that tendency. And I ask today that if you haven't, you would sign up in the app for some of the things that we're doing, not just for their help, but also for your growth. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would just be with us even now, that your care and compassion would just flow from the throne room into our hearts and from our hearts into the life of men and women around us. Now, God, may your grace and your mercy be with us. May you be a blessing. And may we experience the care of God and share the love of God with all that are around us. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand with me? We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.